0: We've spent this month looking at the call to serve. We started off looking at Isaiah, and we saw forgiveness and service linked together through God's presence in our lives. We went the next week and we looked at Jesus, and we saw Him washing His disciples' feet, and we saw the heart of the servant, the heart that we are called to imitate. Last week, we looked at the church in Ephesians chapter 4, and we saw a community of believers built together to serve together. And all of this has been leading us to this week to talk about a specific group of people within the church. People who are often ignored, uh, often misunderstood, and very often undervalued. A group that honestly we have struggled to understand biblically what the bible says about them and we've struggled to understand them logistically what do we do with them the people i'm talking about are deacons we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13 if you want to use those bibles in the pews that is on page 992 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 through 13 what is a deacon? You know, if that's the question we ask, then the answer is very simple. The word deacon means servant. In fact, that's all that it means. What do they do? Well, if the word means servant, then they must serve, right? You you can't be a servant unless you're serving. That's an easy answer. So then we ask the question: how do they serve? That's where we get ourselves in trouble. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. Because there are no hows in this passage. There are only whos. We have whos but no hows. All we're told is about their character. We're not told about their job. And so in the last 2,000 years or so, we've muddied it up with tradition. We have really muddled it up with church politics to the point that we seriously just need to stop and look at what the Bible says about these people. Who are they? What do they do? We begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified. Not double-tongued. Not addicted to much wine. Not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons. If they prove themselves blameless, their wives, likewise, must be dignified. Not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There is a huge difference between what the Bible says about deacons and what the church says has historically said about deacons. When we read the Bible, in the Bible we see that they are servants. In the church, though, too often, deacons simply becomes a title. In the Bible, they are known by their character. In churches, they are known, well, because they show up. And because their names are in the bulletins. Paul says, watch them serve first and then appoint them, recognizing their service. What has the church done? Way too often what the church has done is said, well, if we make him a deacon, maybe he'll show up more often. If we make him a deacon, maybe he will start to serve. The Bible says those who serve well are blessed. And the church has said those who serve well get to become elders. There's an old joke, and it's probably more true than we care to admit. There's an old joke about a a man who became a deacon in his church. And he was appointed a deacon. And and he didn't know what deacons did, so he asked one of the other deacons, he says, what what do we do? What's a deacon do? And the guy says, well, it's real simple. We show up on Sunday morning, and when it comes time to pass out communion, deacons pass out communion. And when it comes time to pass the offering plates, deacons pass the offering plate. He says, is that all? He says, no, that's not all. Other than that... Once a month we show up at the board meeting and if the elders vote yes on something, we vote no. And there's probably a little more truth to that than we care to admit. What do we see in the Bible? What does Paul show us about these amazing servants? Well, that's just it. He tells us that they are servants. He tells us that deacons are servants who are recognized by the church for their character. One Scripture we have looked at over and over again through the month of June has been Matthew 20, verse 28. And I wonder if you know it by heart yet. In fact, the only way you can know Matthew 20, 28 is by heart. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to... There it is. You know it by heart. You have to know that by heart we looked at Jesus washing the disciples feet Do you remember what Jesus says after he sits back down after he's washed his disciples feet in John 13 15 he says I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you and the example he gave was not about the hands it's not about washing feet but it's about the heart what is it that motivates someone to wash someone else's feet, to care for someone, to, to provide service. What is the heart of a servant? And so when Paul calls Timothy to find deacons for the church, where does he begin? He begins with the heart, he begins with the character. He says in verse 8: Deacons likewise, okay, you gotta stop right there. Deacons likewise? Deacons like what? What does likewise mean there? Well, likewise there points us back to one through seven in which he tells us about the qualifications for overseers or elders in the church. You know, a lot of churches have long held that the deacons are down here and the elders are up here. That the deacons are just physical. And the elders are just taking care of the spiritual things. Well, if that's true, then why do the qualities of deacon and elder parallel so closely? Why are deacons likewise why are they like the elders why are so many of those qualities parallel the fact is no matter who we are what we call ourselves we all serve and we all serve in the character of Christ he says deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued not addicted to much wine not greedy for dishonest gain they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience I could preach a sermon or even a series of sermons over all of those qualities. I could go into detail about what each one of them mean, and I could make every one of us feel completely inadequate when it comes to serving. I could look at you and say, which one among you is dignified? I've known you long enough to know who is and who isn't dignified. I don't think I'm always dignified. Ask my fam- don't ask my family. Double tongue? Have you ever said one thing and meant another? Have you ever said one thing to one person and something completely different to someone else? Have you ever struggled with self control? Have you ever struggled with money? Have you ever lacked confidence in your faith and come to one of those points where you're really sure you don't not really sure what you believe or, or how you believe? Each one of us would have to admit we're not perfect. And in the same way, there are no perfect deacons. But at the heart of the character qualities here is a deep desire for Christ. Verses 11 and 12, he says, Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Husband of one wife. It's a really odd phrase. It's a phrase that's not used very often. It, it simply says, one woman, man. <laughs> Husband of one wife. One woman, man. What, what does it mean? Does it, does it mean that he can't have been divorced? Does it mean culturally in that setting that he couldn't be a polygamist because there were guys back then that had multiple wives? No idea why, but you know they would do that where does that sound like a good idea? Anyway, is that what it means? Does it mean he has to be married? I've even heard churches that, this is sad and I hate to tell you, but there are churches that believe that if you are a deacon or elder and your wife passes away, you are no longer allowed to serve as a deacon or elder because you are no longer the husband of one wife. And so a man dealing with that kind of grief is suddenly taken out of a role that he has where he has excelled, where he has provided leadership, where he has served, and is told he can't do that anymore. That that's a horrible misappropriation of the scripture. And so, you know, we can discuss and we can argue about what this church, what this scripture means. We can discuss and argue until Jesus comes back, and we probably will never agree. And then after Jesus comes back, we'll probably keep on arguing about what it means. You can go up to in heaven, you can go up to the Apostle Paul and say that's not what that meant, Paul. That's not what you meant. You meant this instead. So can we simply start with this? Can we start with this? The commitment that this person makes to that one person in their life is a clear reflection of their commitment to Christ. The commitment that they make to that one person in life is a clear reflection of their commitment to Christ. Can we start there and no matter else what it might mean, let's start there with the heart, with the character. So they are servants who are recognized by the church for their character. We also see here that they are servants who are called by the church for their task. What does a deacon do? Is it just about passing out communion? Is it just about passing the plates? Is it just about showing up to the board meetings and if the elders vote yes, we vote no? Is that, is that really what it's about? It, it's about service. It's about the tasks that they have been entrusted to. A task that they have proven themselves capable of completing. One of my favorite deacons is, is Jim Eckert. Jim has just been an amazing guy. He's just one of those amazing deacons. And, and a few weeks ago, I was talking to Jim about service and kind of preparing for this sermon And one of the things that Jim said just just struck me. He said, I've always believed in serving my community. I've always believed in serving my community. You know, Jim Eckerd did that long before he was ever a deacon. Jim Eckerd served his community on the town board. He served in the fire department. He served by taking care of the cemetery and many, many other things where Jim just stepped up and served. Jim was doing that before he was ever a deacon. Before he was a deacon, he was proving that he was a deacon. Do you remember Isaiah 6? We looked at Isaiah 6 the first week. Isaiah has this vision of God in the temple, and God appears to him, and God needs someone to go and speak His Word to the people. And He says, who will we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. That happens in Isaiah 6. But what's happening in Isaiah chapter 1-5? through 5? Isaiah is speaking the Word of God. So when God chose him to serve, He was choosing someone who was already doing the job. Verse 10 says, And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Let them be tested first. Before you make him a deacon, make sure he is already deaconing. Make sure he's already serving before you make Him serve. We've done a great disservice to the church in the past by appointing people to roles that they weren't ready for. We've done a great disservice by appointing deacons who weren't ready. And, and too often the reason has been, well, maybe if we make Him serve, if we make Him a deacon, maybe He'll step up. Maybe He'll start attending more. It just doesn't work. And it's not just that we've done a disservice To the church, we've done a disservice to the man. Because by appointing someone to a role that they're not ready for, we we break their spirit. We set them up for failure. Paul says, look for people who are already serving and then give your approval to their service. Turn them loose to serve. Honor what God is already doing in them in His call for them to serve. Over the past month, I brought you back again and again to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. In Ephesians 2:10, Paul says, "For we, all of us, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." I can't get over that statement. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In before you existed, before you were before you were a gleam in your mother's eye, before before the stars had been spoken into into existence, yet somehow in that amazing foreknowledge of God that we will never grasp here because we don't have that eternal nature, in that amazing foreknowledge of God, God had a plan for you to serve. And God's plan wasn't for you to simply wait around until someone appointed you. God's plan for each one of us was to serve where we are, when we are. He chose you. He called you. He made you. He created you to serve. And what we finally see in these deacons is that they are servants who are blessed through their service. They are blessed to greater faith. I Think about some of the men who served as deacons when I was growing up here. I think about, think about Marvin Grafton. I, as a kid, I never knew what he was doing uh, because all the rest of us were sitting in church. We were all sitting there, and Marvin was standing in the back. And I would catch him out of my peripheral vision, and I'd, I'd see him moving around. And I thought, "What's that guy doing? Why is he up walking around during church?" And he was standing there doing this the whole time. Remember? And and Marvin was taking attendance. I didn't know what he was doing. I just thought this guy didn't want to sit down, you know. And then later. Steve took over, Steve Steve would take attendance, and Jim Eckert takes attendance. Danny Mars is there, Danny's doing the same thing. He's sitting in the back. He's, you know, he 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 takes attendance. They take attendance. I think about those things. I think about guys like like Mike Harrington. I think about Mike, who for some reason always sat with us high school kids. I don't know if we were in his seat or he was in our seat, but Mike always sat with us high school kids. And it was it was neat to have Mike there. You know, he, he taught junior high Sunday school for years. And and it was just so neat to have him there among us. And and he he just made us feel welcome and and like we were supposed to be there. I think about men like Joe Harmon and I think about men like like, uh, Jim Lawher, guys that I not only knew from church but guys that I knew around town. And so I got to see them not just on Sundays but I saw how they interacted during the week and and that meant a lot to me. I think about Terry Hayes who uh, gave me my first Bible after I was baptized. That was was Terry's job. He gave me my first Bible after I was baptized. I wore that Bible out, Terry. I could really use a new one by now. Um, think about Denny Bennett. And uh, Denny led our youth group. And I remember playing wiffle ball in Denny's front yard. Denny remembers me. Uh, I remember playing wiffle ball in Denny's front yard and and uh, him leading our youth group. And I had a blast. And, and, you know, I came over here last night after everybody else had cleared out after the wedding was gone. And and I find Denny and, and Sue and Denise in here serving. And, and it just struck me, that's, that's what he does. He's a servant. He just continues to serve. And that's the character of the man that, that you make a deacon, that you recognize. That's a servant that person serves. And i got to tell you, for me, as a young guy who did not grow up in the church, for me, it was the deacons who put flesh and bone on faith. It was the deacons who put flesh and bone on faith, even more so than the elders and the preachers, because I always saw the elders and preachers as guys who were up here that i I could never attain that. I could never be I still can't you know i I can't, I can't be that guy, but the deacons were people who I could relate to they they looked like people that, that, that I knew already they, they kind of acted like. they kind of acted like some certain family members of mine, you know, at times to time. And and, and I recognized them, and I saw that. They put flesh and bone, and they showed me that I could do this. They They showed me there was hope for me. I could relate to the deacons more than I could the others. They seemed more real. They were common people with an uncommon commitment. Paul says in verse 13, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. And also, great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You know, for years, people took that to mean if they do a good job, they get to be elders. Don't do that. Don't always do that to deacons. It's not what it says. And sometimes the worst thing you can do to a man who has the heart of a servant is put him in a place where he feels like he has to do something else. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Can you hear that alongside what Paul says in Ephesians 4? When he talks about the church in Ephesians 4, he shows us, he shows us that God has built the church to serve together, to look like Jesus. And in verse 13 of Ephesians 4, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of faith, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing and great confidence in the faith, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to that good standing for themselves, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Now, the other side of this is: do you want confidence in your faith? Do you want confidence in your faith? Then start serving. If you want confidence in your faith, I'm not going to give you a book to read. I'm not going to give you a class to attend. I'm going to tell you, if you want confidence in your faith, start serving. If you want to know what you believe is true, then get busy doing what God has created you to do. Do you remember what Jesus says in Matthew 25? He, he tells that story of the sheep and the goats. And the sheep, you know, they have fed people, they have clothed people, they have visited people in prison, they have cared for the sick. And, they, and He says, in and, and as much as you did it to the least of these, You did it to me. They they don't know. When did we meet you, Lord? When did we see you sick and in prison? And he says, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. When you serve, you will encounter Jesus like never before. You will meet him and it will change you. It will deepen your faith. It will make it solid and strong. And it will give you great confidence. The greatest calling that Jesus has for you is the call to serve. The greatest calling that Jesus has for you is the call to serve. And you know, whether we call you a deacon or a, a deaconess, that's, that's really not the point. The point is to look like Jesus in this world and to serve like Jesus. To do the very thing that He created you to do. You need to take a good look around here. Take a look around the church and, and see the things that are going on. We've got... Bible studies, we've got prayer meetings, we've got classes going on, we've got lunch, lunch groups, we've got VBS coming up, uh, we've got uh, all these different groups. We've got, we've got the, the generous bucket and people who, who give not only give to that, but give their time to distribute those funds. We've got amazing things going on. And you look at this community and you see people hurting and you see people in need and, and they need meaning in their lives. They, they need belonging. They need to know that they belong to something. And I want you to be able to look at the church and the community and to know there is a job for me here. There is a role for me here. There is a need for me here. God would not have put you here if that wasn't true. So let's serve. Let's serve together. Let's serve to His glory. And let's serve so that they can see Jesus. Please you stand with me? We'll pray. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you first so much for the amazing examples that we've known through the deacons that have served in our church and in our community. We've been blessed not only by their service, but we've been blessed by their hearts. They have stood out through their amazing character and their dedication to their call. Help us look ahead, because there are future generations who need to be blessed with wonderful examples of people serving you, their church, and their community. We're thankful that we know that you've prepared us for good works. You've prepared good works for us to, to offer you in service. And as you stir us to serve, let us all respond with willing hearts and eager hands, just as you have created us to respond. And let us always serve, not for our own individual glory, or even for the glory of our church, to make our church look good, but for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. That needs to be central to everything that we do. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our motivation to glorify your son, to lift him up. That's the only promise that we have. If he's lifted up, he will draw people to him. And so, Father, through our hands, through our hearts, through the way we serve and give ourselves to you, let us lift up Jesus. It's in his name we pray.